the shadows, fall for the gallows. A dead man walking to love came calling. Rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up. Six feet. Welcome, Mississippi, and whoever else may be joining us on our Mississippi FCA Leadership Podcast. Uh, we thank you for continuing to join us. Uh, if you've been catching our other episodes, we pray that this is a benefit to you and your ministry and maybe some biblical teaching along the way, some practical advice and resources that can help us all uh, become better stewards of the resources and time that God has given us. So in an effort to uh, make this a little more listenable for you and shorten it down, um, we want to jump right in. You'll hear from two people today. Uh, First, as always, our leader and state director, Brother Bill Buckley. And second, uh, you'll hear from Jimmy Guilford. The topic of this podcast and the practical side of this will be Um, bringing excellence into our schedules, and I believe we have one of the best at that in our brother Jimmy Guilford, so I know you'll hear some great information uh, from him. Uh, So to get kicked off, let's go. Here you go, Brother Bill. Uh, You can have the floor. Hey, Mississippi FCA staff. Uh, It's great to be with you via podcast. I wanted to share with you this morning about staying relevant in our culture today. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's talking about the Lord, not us. <laughs> we are called to change. Jesus is always relevant yesterday, today, and forever because he is who he is. But for the world to see his relevancy, we, his servants, must be willing to change. So that's my topic uh, today in talking with you about staying relevant in our culture. Y'all, I love Danny Craft. She's amazing. Her nose ring is so cool. But that nose ring is not going to keep Danny relevant, is it? Mark Boren, that guy can preach a circle around the earth. It's always great and always wonderful. But his amazing preaching is not what's going to keep him relevant. Jonathan Fulcher is the general for Jesus persona. I mean, the guy is amazing the way he marches for the Lord. But that persona is not going to keep Jonathan relevant. I love 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. That's so powerful and talking about we should be being transformed, not just a little bit, but from glory to glory. There's got to be something on the inside of us that's moving toward transformation always. 
Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. And you know the word, here it is. But be transformed by the renewing of your spirit so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We prove the will of God by our transformation by the spirit. And then finally, Philippians 2.12. So then, my beloved, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Y'all, that doesn't mean we work out getting saved every day. We are born again as children of God. But we do have something to work out in our salvation. And that is speaking of the transformation that comes by the Holy Spirit with Jesus Christ as our image and our goal. So I wanted to share with you today four truths that I believe will keep us relevant in whatever culture you're in, whether it's the red hills of northeastern Mississippi or the sand flats of the southern coastal region or the delta or wherever you are, the Jackson Metro. I believe these four truths will help us stay relevant in our culture. The first one is we live on this side of the cross. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, All scripture, uh, I'm sorry, um, who all, uh, Jesus, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You know, when you, you, you take a scripture, I heard a guy the other day, he took a scripture out of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he just preached right out of, of uh, what God did to Sodom. Destroyed everything in the city and all the people. He plucked that verse out and brought it right up on this side of the cross of Jesus to try to make it relevant today, and all it was was a, a, a message of wrath and judgment and terror, which is not who God is today. So I want to get you to think about what made it through the cross, what didn't make it through the cross, but what made it through the cross and was changed. For instance, one thing that made it through the cross was tithing. But it was 10% before the cross. After the cross, Jesus says, we owe God everything and to give with, give with liberality. So I think it's important for us to stay relevant and thinking about what came, what made it through. Blood sacrifices did not make it through the cross. Now, we don't need to talk about blood sacrifices anymore. There's only one sacrifice on this side of the cross that makes sense. And it was the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Okay? We live on this side of the cross. Truth number two, we prophesy from the new covenant. Acts 2.17 says, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. We are in that season of history right now, y'all. Every time you pick up the Bible and read from it, 
you prophesy. Every time you call out the gold and the greatness in somebody, you prophesy. Every time you see them the way God sees them and you tell them, you prophesy. And I believe that on this side of the cross in the new covenant, our messages to our generation should be interpreted by the new covenant and not the old. Old Testament interpretations of God's wrath and judgment must be made to serve the grace revealed in Jesus Christ. So that when we speak and when we're talking to people, is it full of the grace of the new covenant or the judgment of the old? That keeps us relevant. The third truth that keeps us relevant is we know God as a good, good father. Y'all, I heard a guy the other day, I promise you, he said this to me. I looked at him and I, he, he was limping and he had a big old brace on his knee. And I said, hey, man, what happened? The guy, I promise you, the guy said, well, God busted my knee. He's trying to teach me a lesson. Y'all, I didn't say anything. But if that guy, I know that guy had children. If that guy went home and busted his son's knee to teach him a lesson, he would be arrested. That is just not New Covenant thinking that God busts people's knees or hurts them or kills them to teach them a lesson or to judge them. That's not our God. When we look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and the things on this side of the cross and the way that, uh, that uh, uh, the prophetic voice is in the new covenant, we see a good, good father that loves his sons and daughters. It doesn't mean that we don't ever learn a lesson from our bad mistakes. We do. It doesn't mean that we're never corrected. We are. But if we live with, a, 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 I, know a, I know a guy that every time I get around him, he, he tries to correct me, and it all, his attitude is old covenant. I don't ever hear anything good about myself from him. It's always uh, a correct, correct, correct. I just don't think that's the grace of God. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were, once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Y'all, that is powerful. Each one of you is chosen of God, favored sons of daughters on this side of the cross, full of grace and love. And the Father is a good, good Father that loves us and cares for us. And y'all, there's a whole generation of young people out there. They are orphans without fathers. And we've got to call them into relationship with the Father, uh, the Father of lights and His love and His grace. 
I love Romans 2, 4. It says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of God's kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? We are relevant, y'all, when we preach love and not fear. Because you know what? Love will never keep a heart. Only love will keep a heart. And finally, the last truth that will help keep us relevant in our culture is that we carry the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is not far off. It's not only where we go when we die. The kingdom of Jesus said it very clearly in Matthew 3, 2. He said, repent or change the way you think. That's what repent means. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It came with me. And when Jesus left to go to the Father, he said, hey, you know what? I'm leaving, but I am leaving you with the comforter the counselor, your guide, the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you into all truth. We have the kingdom of God dwelling in us. John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. We carry the kingdom of God, and everywhere we go, the yeast of the kingdom should be spreading. We steward heaven from the inside out, and when we know the glorious riches that the Lord deposited in us, the ability to, to speak into people's lives, to touch people and see them healed, to speak to them in ways that will be transformational. All the supernatural greatness of the love and grace of God in us is so powerful and real. And we are called to live out of that grace and bring the kingdom increase on earth. I want to encourage you to think about staying relevant and living from this side of the cross and speaking words to people from the new covenant and not the old of condemnation and knowing God is a good, good father and the fact that we carry the kingdom of heaven in us. We are so, the Lord has invested so much in us that we can invest in all of those around us and see the kingdom spread on earth. I love you and appreciate you, and I'm praying for you always. God bless. That's great stuff, and that transitions us nicely right into our topic for the day, which is bringing excellence into our schedule. And I am joined here on the phone with Jimmy Guilford, who's area and campus director for Mississippi State University. And Jimmy and I have been friends a while. We played baseball together at Bellhaven. So I know Jimmy... Uh, in his ministry, and he is a man who stewards his time and energy 
uh, very well and honors the Lord with that. And so I know he has a lot to bring to the table. So, Jimmy, welcome, brother. We're glad to have you. Great to be here, Kyle. I love your heart with these podcasts, and I'm with you. I'm hoping they provide some freedom uh, for our staff moving forward. Awesome. Well, look, let's jump in so that we can save time. Uh, but before we get going, uh, I said that our, we want to create a, our desire for this is for us to leave with the heart to be good stewards, not just to have a bunch of good practical information about creating uh, a schedule. Um, so what would you say is the importance of excellence in our, in our schedule? Yeah, I love that you use the word stewardship because I believe that's the, the fundamental thing that we have to get to. That's the heart issue before we can figure anything else out. Anything that SCA gives us, our schedules, it's this idea of stewardship. And to me, that is a, a Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 idea in, in terms of that we were created in the image of God. And he has given us unique talents and gifts. And now that, that alone is mind-blowing, that the God of the universe gave us gifts. And then what you see in Genesis 2 is that he has called us to be stewards of those gifts and resources. So whether we're talking our health, whether we're talking finances, whether we're talking creating a schedule, we are responsible uh, for the atmosphere that he has given us. And you see that idea in the New Testament, too, where it's in Colossians 3.23, do everything to to bring glory to God. We're, We're doing that for his glory, not for man's glory. So just that fundamental idea of stewardship should launch us uh, into living a life of excellence. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's good. That's good. And so just in mind of your conversations, we jotted down some some questions that we wanted to to see answered. Uh, The first one being, uh, why do we need to get a handle on our weekly schedules? Um, There's There can be uh, stress or burnout or lack of productivity. Uh, can you elaborate on that? What's the, the importance of getting a handle on that? Yeah, so those two things in particular, when I'm thinking of where at times where I have struggled and uh, really failed with my schedule, I've seen both of these two things surface. So let's start with stress and burnout. Um, anytime you're in a nonprofit ministry, anytime you're in a uh, commission-based job where you get to set your schedule and create your structure, these two things are going to surface. So stress and burnout to me are a byproduct of us saying yes to too many things. So it's, if I had to be honest, it's my desire to please people, uh, wanting to be the guy that gets the pat on the back and can be dependable. And next thing I know, I've, I've just committed to speak six times and then I've got a fundraise for, you know, three or four different things this week. And man, next thing I know, I don't have time in my day. And then, oh, yeah, I've got a wife and a newborn baby to love on. Man, if I don't have a, a clear understanding of my schedule, I can stress, burnout are really easy things uh, that we can run into. And then on the flip side of that, lack of productivity. Without a clear understanding of my schedule, I think it's very easy to just kind of wander about a work week and not necessarily get a lot of stuff done. Maybe. And maybe we've had some good conversations, but at the end of the week when someone asks, well, well, give me some numbers or what are some things that you really accomplished, I think we will maybe not have been faithful stewards of our time. 
So those are two things for me that I constantly, I'm, I'm going back and forth. All right, Lord, give me a, a clear understanding of my schedule so that I can say yes to the right things and no to some potentially good things that I don't need to say yes to. And if I can add one more thing on, on the lack of productivity, um, it's not, it's really not an attempt to shame people or ourselves in saying that we're not productive, but it's when I'm honest at times, it's the things that I feel less confident in that I really allow to fall through the cracks. So, you know, everyone in FCA knows that the fundraising thing, you know, with an with improper perspective can be a bit of a burden. So we can do a lot of things throughout the week, but just neglect the fundraising stuff because it's not comfortable. So I think that's what I, I guess the heart of the lack of productivity is. It's not that we're just sitting on the couch all the time. It's that, we're opting to say no to things that make us uncomfortable. So let's talk practical side of that. What does what does making a schedule uh, weekly schedule look like for you? Yeah, there's two things that I try to do to help myself. One is I try to schedule an hour a week. Sometimes that's a Monday morning, or sometimes that's a Friday afternoon, and I will try to plan my schedule for the week as closely as I can. I start off by just putting my big pillars for the week down, things that I know are set in stone, staff meetings, our campus huddle, uh, some different things on football chapels. I put the big pillars down, and then I, I allow the, the FCA goals that they've given me fill in the gaps. I know as a director, I'm asked to fundraise. I'm asked to lead staff. I'm asked to do board development. So outside of those pillars, I then begin to fill in my week with some of those other items that SCA asks of me. So that that will take about an hour a week that I look to do that. And then the second practice that I've implemented is something that I've heard our state director talk about a lot, Mr. Bill, and that is really just soul care. I'm trying to get away an hour a week when I can. Uh, we got a little place here in Starkville called The Refuge, and I like just to go out there on Wednesday afternoons with no agenda, um, so, you know, sometimes it's praying, sometimes it's just sitting there listening to uh, creation around me. But what I've noticed in those hours is that I feel God puts people on my heart, objectives on my heart. Uh, and, I, you know, I can come back from those moments sometimes and uh, now I'm like, I, I've got my week figured out. I, I feel like God has put some good stuff on my heart. So it's a combination of putting those pillars on my schedule up front and then listening to God as he prompts me throughout the rest of the week. Yeah. Yeah, and, man, that's good. Um, that leads us to our next question is, uh, is there anything else that you add uh, that aren't necessarily work things, but you make sure that are in your schedule? I've learned that I can have the best intention uh, of uh, doing things, whether it's working out or, uh, or reading a book or something. Uh, but if, if it's not in my schedule, sometimes I, I – it goes to the side. So is there anything else, uh, maybe not related to SCA, that, uh, that's in your weekly schedule? Yeah, there's a couple things. Rest is something I just mentioned. I got some advice actually at an SCA training that once a day, once a week, once a quarter, and once a year are, are some, some potential routines that you can set up for rest to implement into your days, into your week. I love that idea. I like to schedule in my, my workouts into my day, and I know that's something that is 
often overlooked by us unintentionally. We get meetings and lunches and all these things scheduled. But I have learned that when I can just block out one hour each day to work out, uh, not only do I feel healthy and rejuvenated, uh, but it's kind of my way of being a good steward of, uh, you know, our, our bodies, our health, so that we do have the energy and strength to go do the ministry that we, we've been called to. Uh, family time, I think, is important as well, whether that's a date night with your spouse or whether that's just, hey, every Tuesday at lunch, it's I'm going to lunch with the kids. I think those are some cool things, workouts, rest, and family time that, that we can schedule into our weeks. Man, I, I love, again, I said I love that, that, that stress and burnout is a byproduct of, of us saying yes to too many things. I love what you said there. So how do we determine what to say yes and what to say no to during a week? This would be, I'm sure, a very important question for all of our staff. Yeah, well, thankfully, FCA has, in some regards, given us some parameters. Uh, coming out of our training in April, I think every role within FCA, whether you're an area rep, director, or multi-area guy, you really have your three big pillars that you want to really take up in the majority of our week. So what I can do with some of those pillars is if someone asks me to do something and it might not align with a job description, I feel like I now have freedom to say, well, you know what, I can't do that this week, but maybe I can reference you to somebody else who can help you with that. I feel like FCA is trying to lead us into some freedom with those three pillars that they've given us. So that's thankful. Thank goodness we have that as a kind of a help. But something else that I've learned when it comes to saying yes or no is, is learning to tell people that I let me get back to you by tomorrow with an answer. Early on within FCA, I, I think I was getting asked to speak so often at, you know, high school football teams, high school assemblies, college teams, and I was just saying yes right away on a phone call. But I'm learning to say, hey, can I get you an answer by 2 o'clock tomorrow? And then going home, talking with my wife, praying through it, and, and just letting God give me the yes or the no on whether I need to do things. So I would say both of those. Again, there's the spiritual component, and then there's the, the FCA what component that will allow us to say yes or no. So let's transition into this other big pillar you had. I know it won't take us as long to finish finish with that, but you had uh, communication down here was something that was so important to you, and I agree. Um so just explain that, what communication you're talking about, and why is it essential in building up the team culture that we're wanting to create with SCA? Yeah, so when you think about both creating a schedule and communication, these are culture-building items. These are things that if people that don't know anything about FCA were to walk into your office, these are the culture things that we want to, to lead with in terms of excellence. So from a communication standpoint, I think this is something that gets punted on unintentionally in, in a lot of workplaces, a lot of ministries. And I think when we learn to communicate properly, you're, we're going to clear up two really good things. One, we're going to build trust in our work staff relationships, and we're going to provide clarity to the people around us. So we are all leading people, whether that's volunteers, whether that's reps, whether that's board members. The more we communicate, the more that we um, put everything on the table so that people don't have to guess, they don't have to assume, we begin to build trust. 
when you have trust, it removes people jumping to assumptions or conclusions that aren't accurate. So when we just put uh, everything on the table and we talk and we check in with people, I think that builds a relational component that leads to trust. And then the second thing of clarity, uh, man, the more we can just tell staff of, hey, you're doing a great job and, and here's something else you can look into and here's what I mean when I say that, the more clear and concise we can get, and we will not have staff that are left alone guessing if they are being faithful in their ministry. I think all the cloud that can cover us sometimes can be removed when we learn to communicate at a high level. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's good. Uh, so what are some things that you do maybe on a, on a weekly basis or uh, or often to uh, implement this communication with staff, donors, coaches that you lead? Yeah, so we have a, a we'll throw staff. We have a weekly staff meeting uh, here in our area every Monday from two to three thirty, and we definitely have an agenda with that. But we also don't have an agenda. I mean, if if we get in there and we just end up talking about our families, frustrations, praises, we really just let the conversation go, and then when we can get to it, we uh, yeah we we dive into ministry related conversations. But just being face to face with our staff once a week has helped us build relationships, keep a gauge on where each other are spiritually. We get to know where our families are, where frustrations in ministry are. That has been a great rhythm that we have added. And then when it comes to donors, coaches, board members, something that we've begun using our administrative assistant, uh, my beautiful wife, to do, is she has weekly tasks to reach out to a set number of coaches, donors, or board members. And it's just simple messages, simple pictures of ministry, simple questions of, hey, can we serve you in any way? How is your family doing? So that is part of our administrative assistance job to help keep communication strong in our area. Yeah. Man. Well, good stuff, man. Well, look, let's uh, let's wrap this up in about one minute. Um, just uh, summarize maybe the two or three best things that we could do that you see um, – to maybe start implementing in our schedules and uh, then any any thoughts or anything you may have that uh, that you felt like you needed to add but missed? Yeah, uh, I'll start with uh, a great practice would be just to start submitting a weekly schedule to staff, spouse, maybe a pastor figure in your life, and it really creates a, a sense of accountability. And I love doing it just with staff. And there's no – um, you know, we're not, like, gauging each other's week and, like, getting on each other. It's really just, hey, I would love to see, show you where I'm going this week so that I can know where you're going this week. And it just opens up dialogue, and it's been a great thing that, that we've seen work here. And then another, uh, just a final best practice is to learn to listen or read from other leaders. It doesn't have to be podcasts. It could be sermon series. It could be books. But when I listen to highly effective leaders and really godly people, they never stop learning. They absorb information. They take best practices, and they they kind of allow themselves to learn from other leaders. So those are two really good things that I think that, that can help us all grow. Awesome, man. Well, Jimmy, we appreciate you, brother. Uh, man, you're right in the middle of it, new, new baby football season, all kind of stuff going on. We appreciate you taking some time. Uh, out of your schedule and giving giving uh, that to us. 
We'll definitely pray for you guys as uh, you guys roll into Tuscaloosa this week. Is that right? That's right. 2.30 on Saturday. Awesome. Well, man, hey, be safe, and uh, we thank you and uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you so much, Kyle. Sir. All right, great stuff, guys. Thank you for listening. Go check out any of the other episodes you might have missed on iTunes. I'm going to leave you with this quote. It's from Stephen R. Covey. Time management is really a misnomer. The challenge is not to manage time, but to manage ourselves. Till next time, FCA. See ya.